to everybody uh, today. Um, for those of you I don't know uh, yet, my name is Roland, and I am the lead pastor here. And as I've already mentioned, we have finished a series called Just Walk Across the Room. Just Walk Across the Room, um, which talks about engaging people with the good news of Jesus Christ. As we make our march towards uh, Resurrection Sunday, uh, what we're going to talk about is after the storm. After the storm, um, what did it look like when Jesus himself voluntarily walked into the storms of life, right? Voluntarily laid down his life, voluntarily subjected himself to ridicule, humiliation, shame, and disgrace, all for the sake of saving and actually glorifying his people who he loved and wanted to redeem and bring back into reconciliation to himself. So we want to talk about what happens not in the midst of the storm, but what is the hope that we have after the storm? Because we know that God himself is the God of the storm, and he takes us through the storms into victorious life. Amen? And so what we're going to do is, over the next several weeks, just talk about what it looks like over this uh, this theme that's really um, reiterated again and again in the Bible of storms, and what is it that we, how do we find God in the midst of the storms, and how do we have a hope in the midst of the trials, which is another word for a storm that we're experiencing, and how do we have a hope for the glorious promise of resurrection that he's giving us on the other side. And so with that in mind, we're going to actually start in Matthew today, wherever he began to talk about the storms of life. And then we're going to finish by actually looking at one of the saints, one of the saints who actually was referenced many times yesterday, St. Patrick, right? And people have commandeered his name and his day and made it mean something that he never meant for it to mean. Uh, but we're going to take it back in Jesus' name. Amen? We're going to take the reputation of St. Patrick back and we're going to talk about what he actually lived for and how he actually endured through the storms of life to actually glorify the living God as he did so. So let's pray today. Father, we thank you so much for your... <clears throat> good word to us today. God, we thank you that it's a constant encouragement to us, that God, you are the ever-present help in times of trouble, and you are the lifter, God. You are the lifter of our heads. You're the lifter of our lives. You're the lifter of our confidence in all that we have to look forward to in Jesus, your son. And so, God, we pray that today your word would be firmly embedded in our hearts, and that you would help us to live with that great joy and expectation of new life and resurrection life in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, today, if you're taking notes, we're going to talk about the storm, actually after the storm, in two parts. Number one, from whence? Well, where does your confidence come from? And then number two, in the midst of the storm and thereafter, where is your comfort? So two C's today, right? Number one, where is your confidence? And then number two, where does your comfort come from? Where's your confidence And number two, where is your comfort? Just on the heels of evangelism, I'd like to say that one of the things that St. Patrick um, said is he said, I pray to God to give me perseverance and to deign that I be a faithful witness to him to the end of my life for my God. Now he said that because of the fact that he was himself was a man who was familiar with suffering. 
even though he loved God, he grew up in a household where he, the people of God were spreading the word of God in his family. At 16 years old, he was abducted. He, he was born in England and at 16 was abducted by um, um, the Irish. And they, were ta- they took him as a captive, as a slave into captivity. And there he served in that captivity for many years. He was subject to oppression. He was subject to all the things that come along with slavery. But in the midst of whenever he had the opportunity, he escaped. And he escaped from his slavery and he went to modern day France, otherwise previously known as Gaul. But in the midst of Gaul, he was getting words from God. He was getting an admonition from God. I need you to go back and preach to the very people who once enslaved you. Go back and preach to the Irish. Go back and preach to the people who once held you bound. And so voluntarily, after many years, he was in France and he studied, he did his seminary work. And then at 40 years old, so if any of you think that you are like slow in getting about the purposes of God in your life, that's okay. At 40 years old, he actually heard the word of God and he was released to go back to Ireland. And over the course of several more years, planted churches, saw thousands won to Christ, saw them baptized, saw them filled with the Holy Spirit, and actually saw the name of Jesus Christ be exalted in such a way that previously Ireland was known as a pagan nation, but it then became what was known as a Christian nation because of the mass conversions that happened by this man of God. But it all happened in the midst of and in spite of the suffering, in spite of the tension, in spite of the storms that he himself was experiencing in his life. And so in the midst of that, we understand that he himself had a confidence. He had a confidence in God that we need to emulate. That not it's not if, but when storms come. Not if, but when trials come to each of our lives that we need to have a confidence in which we base all of our decision making, all of our relationships. How we choose or not choose to actually participate in activities that are God-associated and kingdom-advancing in our everyday life. Not in spite of circumstances but um, or uh, trials, but in the midst of them. And what he learned to do is have a confidence based around the word of God that we'll see today preached in Matthew chapter 7. It's part of Jesus' great sermon on the mount. And what was the message that uh, St. Patrick preached? It was these messages, this message of the gospel, this message of the kingdom, that there's something bigger and grander and greater than the light and momentary troubles that we're experiencing. Are emotions real? Yes. Is sadness real? Yes. Yes, does it, does it matter when you're feeling depressed and feeling forlorn because of what's surrounding you by the affairs of life? Yes, it does, and God cares. Yes, it does, and God cares. But in the midst of that, his name and his word remain the same. His reputation remains the same. And he's saying, you can have confidence in me, just like St. Patrick had, because of this word that I'm preaching to you. What did St. Patrick preach? Let's turn to verse 13, please. Matthew 7, verse 13. He said this, when he was preaching, because Jesus himself preached it on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, enter by the narrow gate. Enter what? Enter the kingdom of heaven. Enter the kingdom of heaven by the narrow gate. Meaning that what you see in front of you is not all that there is. 
What you're experiencing in this moment is not all that there is. There is a hope of joy and there is a hope of life and there's a hope of resurrection power when you look to him as he is constant, unchanging, remaining the same, though our circumstances vacillate. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or uh, figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That means during challenging times, and that also means during the high times, right? It means doing the will of the Father, which remains the same despite what we're experiencing. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is what Jesus preached. This is what St. Patrick preached. He reiterated even in his confessions. Many of you know Augustine or St. Augustine, right? How many of you have heard of him before? And you know that he has his confessions? Well, actually, St. Patrick had his own writings, his own confessions. And in response to this, he said, Each and all shall render account for even our smallest sins before the judgment seat of Christ the Lord. Each and every one of us are going to have a given answer for all the ways that we live, both in challenging times and in good times, right? And he's saying, listen, live with a perspective that this is not it. Live with a perspective that God's kingdom should contextualize all of your decision making each and every day. Because wide is the gate. And broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But narrow is the gate, even in the midst of trying times, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Well, how am I going to find that narrow road? I'm going to have a confidence that Jesus alone can give me that's going to keep me in the midst of the trials, in the midst of suffering. Because I don't know about you, but it's easy when things are going well for me to want to serve God and praise his name, right? Is it not easy? Does anybody like praising God when things are going well? I, oh, okay. Well, I hope so. Okay. That's actually what the scripture commands. He says, are things going well? Then what? Sing songs of praise. You should thank God when things are going well. God likes blessing his children. And so we should give him thanks when he's blessing us. But it becomes challenging for me when I don't associate the things that I'm experiencing also with God. That God might actually want to be refining me through the challenging times as well. 
through the difficult times as well. And I can offer him praise in the midst of challenging times just as much as I can offer him praise during the easy times or the good times, right? And so the challenge for the Christian is to say, where's my confidence coming from? It's coming from his unchanging word. Why? Because the good times, that's not all that there is. The bad times, that's not all that there is. There is resurrection life and a kingdom coming that he's brought by his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. So Jesus said, where should your confidence be? It should be in my word. My word. Why do you read your Bible every day? Second city, every day. Amen. That's right. Not just on Sunday do we reference it, but we open that dusty thing. <laughs> right? Every day and rejoice in what's in it because it's unchanging. It's our rock. It's God's expression of care, love, concern, and eternal purposes to us. And Jesus said, in the good times and the challenging, it will be your confidence. So that not only through the storm, but after the storm, you can stand. And he says this in verse 24, Matthew 7, verse 24. He says, Every then, everyone then, that includes us, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. On the rock. On the unchanging rock. He said, not if the rain comes, but when it comes. Not when the wind blows, but when it blows. Not if it's going to be challenging to stand up in the things of God. But when it is. He says you need to have something ahead of time inside of you that's going to be steel for your backbone, that's going to be steel for your soul, that enables you, even if you're on your face before the living God, to continue to honor and worship Him as He is because you know His Word and His name are unchanging. And I thank God for all of you who've been praying for us. I thank God for all of the condolences. I thank God for all of the ways that you've expressed the love of God towards all of us. But you know what? I'm going to tell you what. We're not the only ones who've been through things in here. And you know who I see standing in the midst of suffering? Those who've been investing the word of God in them long before the trials ever came. Long before the trials ever came. You see people in the midst of difficulty often spinning out as if they never knew God. Why? Because they don't have the rock in them to give them an unchanging and an eternal hope that despite the light and momentary troubles, they know there's a God who's in charge of it all. And he's leading his people to resurrection life if they would continue to remain and trust in him. It's those who are building on the rock. Because those who don't, Jesus said very plainly, can be those, verse 26, who hear his words and do not do them. And instead are like the foolish man who built their house on the sand. And the rain, that same rain, the, same, the very same rain, the very same circumstance, 
It wasn't the rain that changed. It wasn't the wind that changed. It was the response in the midst of it. The rain came and the winds blew, but because they didn't put it into practice, they're like the foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. He's giving us a loving invitation. A loving invitation. Say, build your house, build your confidence on my unchanging word. Build your confidence. But to build your confidence on that unchanging word, you've got to have it in you. You've got to have it in you. You don't go to it in your time of disaster. You actually prepare ahead of time for what's coming, right? You prepare ahead of time. That's what, that's what I love about my parents now who live in Charleston, South Carolina. It's not if hurricanes come, it's when they come, right? Anybody been to Charleston before? Pretty beach town, right? Lovely, lovely water. Nice to relax, you know. It's great. They're retired. Okay, but the thing is, is that it's not if, but when they come. They've got to have those storm shutters ready. They've got to be able to have a, little, a few supplies ready in the house, so that when it comes and that everybody made their run on the grocery store, they're taking their time, right? They're like, I'm just strolling. I'm retired. I could take my time. You know, but the water's gone. <laughs> the food's gone. Why? But they're okay. Why? Because they've prepared ahead of time. They're not waiting for the hurricane to come to actually begin building that which they need, which is going to preserve them. In the same way, God is giving you his word to be your confidence. Not when the storms come, but ahead of time. So that when they come, you're ready. Now, I say this also because uh, what happens a lot of times is that people do not um, think they have a need for these things because things are going well in their lives. Things are going well. I've got a good job. I've got a good paycheck. I've got a good spouse. I've got a good, you know what I mean? Um, uh, my kids are doing decently. You know, all of these different things, right? What, right, you saw them do-do-do. Okay, but here's the, oh, no. okay. here's the thing. They have all these things going for them, right? And then all of a sudden they're like, well, I don't need to, give my thoughts to the things of God yet. But I love what Timothy Keller said in uh, Counterfeit Gods. He said, people at the top are eager to attribute their position to their own intellect, savvy, and hard work. The reality is much more complicated. Personal connections, family environment, and what appears to be plain luck determine how successful a person is. We are the product of three things, genetics, environment, and our personal choices. But two of these three factors we have no power over. We are not nearly as responsible for our success as our popular views of God and reality lead us to think. But the truth is, we're not nearly as in charge of our future as people would allow us like to think. God said very practically, you have no idea what's coming. I'm paraphrasing. You have no idea what's coming, but you do know what I've said. You do know that I know, and in the midst of me knowing, that you'll be able to stand and actually not only survive, but thrive in me if you actually build ahead of time on the things I've already said. And what Timothy Keller also said in Counterfeit Gods is that when those things are wiped out, the things that have been propping our confidence outside of him up, He says, when those things are gone, he said, as many have learned and later taught, you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. You don't realize that Jesus is all you need until you realize that Jesus is all you have. And so God in his loving kindness will wipe away the things that we've put our confidence in. Did you know that's his loving kindness? 
He will allow the things that have given us comfort, the things that have given us security, the things that we've put in place of Him to be removed so that He can, in fact, be our all in all. And it's not His anger towards you. He's like a father saying, listen, I want to give you what really matters. I want to give you what's unshakable in me. In me. And trust me, that I've got your best in mind. Because this life and what you see is not all that there is. This life and these circumstances are not all that there is. Ultimately, it's all found in me. We've got to have a basis of confidence. You even think about Christ himself in this Easter season going to the cross. And he knew, he predicted over and over again about his betrayal He predicted over and over again to his disciples who were following him about his crucifixion, that he would be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. He knew it. He knew it. And yet he made his way intentionally towards the storm. He made his way intentionally towards Jerusalem. He made his way intentionally to the place that he would ultimately be ridiculed, humiliated, whipped, beaten, scorned, crucified, Because he knew that after the storm, there was something better on the other side. What was his confidence? His confidence was the same that we rest in today. The everlasting word of God. Christ's confidence in the midst of his storms. What would he be reflecting on? Obviously, we know the New Testament wasn't written in the time that Jesus himself was walking around teaching. But we know that we had the Old Testament. And Jesus being a rabbi himself, was basing his confidence in the word. What word? Isaiah 53, you can look at it later. This is a good meditation and a good passage to review in the midst of the Easter season. Jesus making his way intentionally to the cross. He had a confidence that said, for he grew up before him, verse um, 2 of Isaiah 53. For he, talking about the Messiah, grew up before him, meaning God, like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows." Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. These are the things that were the meditations of Christ's heart as he was making his way into the Passion Week. Why am I going to stand in the midst of this? Because this has already been spoken about. This has already been prophesied. This is my destiny. Think about your destiny, right? People talk about destiny all the time. This was his destiny that he fully, voluntarily embraced voluntarily embraced, walking into the storm that we might, in fact, go free one day. It says, what did he reflect on? He was pierced for our transgressions. Who in the world would sign up for that? I want to be pierced. Drive me through with a stake. Nail me to a wooden pole. But he knew this. He knew this and said, I've got a storm to face. I've got a baptism to face, but it's not going to stop me in the purposes of God. So much so that in Gethsemane, he said, listen, Father, if it is at all possible, take this cup from me. Isn't that honest? Isn't that that the cry of all of our hearts? 
Come on now, let's be honest. If it's at all possible, Father, take this from me. Take this sorrow. Take this pain. Take this suffering. Take this trial from me. But not as I will, but as you will. Not my will, but your will be done. Why? Because he knew that in the midst of that word that had been predicted, there was something on the other side. There was something on the other side of that storm. And in the midst of him being pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, says he was assigned a grave with the wicked and a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord, will of the Lord to crush him. He, was put, <clears throat> he put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, it said he shall see his offspring. He'll be killed, but then he'll be resurrected. He'll be killed and he'll be buried, but then he'll see the offspring as a product of his suffering. He'll say, listen, this was worth it. I pleased the heart of my heavenly father, and now I've been able to redeem the world. Because he had a confidence in the word, he was able to go forward with great peace. St. Patrick also said this in the midst of his own suffering. He said, I know for certain, this is actually one of the clips, um, one of the slides, I know for certain that before I was humbled, I was like a stone lying in deep mire. And he, he that is mighty came and in his mercy raised me up and indeed lifted me high up and placed me on top of the wall. This is all in the context of his own suffering, going into captivity escaping and then being sent right back. And from there, on that high wall, I ought to shout out in gratitude to the Lord for his great favors in this world and forever that the mind of man cannot measure. Why was he able to say this? Because there was a comfort, not just confidence that Jesus and St. Patrick had in the word of God, but there was also a comfort that was coming. And when your own confidence fails, we have a Savior in Jesus who comforts. The question is, is just like we need to store up his word in us prior to the storm, will you go to him and his hope of resurrection life promised by the cross to be both your comfort before and after the storm? Will you go to him to comfort you? Comfort is sort of an associated um, theme In Scripture, he, yes, talks Old Testament, New Testament about the trials that even his people face, but then he also talks about the comfort. And in 2 Corinthians 1, many of you are familiar with this, and many of you, if you haven't been through a trial yourself, are asking, how do I help people in the midst of a trial? How do I walk with people in the midst of a trial? Well, one thing is is to read Ecclesiastes. Read Ecclesiastes. Why? Because Ecclesiastes talks about meaningless, meaningless. All of this is meaningless. (laughs) That's a good word, right? He says, here's the end of the matter. Fear God and obey his commandments because he's going to bring all deeds into judgment, whether they be good or evil. But what do I do? I think about Ecclesiastes, right? And he says, there's a time to mourn. There's a time to rejoice. Sometimes you need to mourn with those who are mourning. You need to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Sometimes there's a time to speak is what he says in Ecclesiastes 3. Sometimes there's a time to be silent. Sometimes people just need your presence. Why? Because Paul the Apostle would later actually say this about all the trials that he had experienced, all the trials that he himself had been going through. And he said, blessed be the God of 2 Corinthians 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Isn't that good news? He's a good God. 
And he says, I'm the God of all comfort. All comfort. And if you want to know the source of real comfort, it is not in binge eating. You know what I'm talking about, right? Anybody ever go to like Netflix and just like, like eat like one gallon, two gallons, three gallons, okay, okay, four gallons. And it's sort of like you feel the endorphins for a minute, but then the sugar high misses, like you, cra- you come crashing down just as hard and a little bit more irritable. Okay, that's just me. All right, so <laughs> the thing is, it's not that, right? He's the God of all comfort. The substitutes don't work when real life happens. The substitutes don't work. He says, I'm the God of all comfort and come to me. But let me tell you where the comfort's going to come from. He says, he's the God of all mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in not some, but all of our affliction. There is not an affliction that you are having that God does not understand. And that God himself in his loving kindness towards you cannot walk you through. If you are going through an affliction, come to God. Come to Jesus. He understands. Talk to him. He will talk back to you. Isn't that good news? Through his word and through his Holy Spirit. And how about this? God bless you through his people. These are the things that he gives us to not only give us confidence, but comfort in him. Do not follow the way of the enemy and be driven into isolation. When you're falling, fall into the arms of God. If you can't walk, let others prop you up who know and love him. This is the way of God. Stop doing it on your own. Come to him. Who comforts us, he says, in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Which means what? We have affliction, we're comforted by God, we get to pay it forward. How many people in here have been through an affliction recently? A trial recently? How many people have never been through anything that you would deem suffering? Right! Look around, everybody. Somebody's been through something in here. And what often happens is that we often diminish what another person has experienced or what we ourselves have experienced in our own minds as not important because we compare it to somebody else. But let me tell you, what's big for you is big for you. And if it's crushing your soul, then God has comfort for you in that place. And God can help you in that place because you're not the only one. You're not the only one. Do not let the enemy drive you into isolation. Come out and be comforted by God, His everlasting, unchanging Word, and His people. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, He was being whipped, beaten, just like St. Patrick went through all these sufferings. Paul's talking about these things prior to his arrival. It is for your comfort and salvation, Paul said. Can you imagine that? If I'm, being, if I'm going through suffering, it's not just for me. It's for somebody else too. If things are going well, great. I can bless people. If things are challenging, guess what? There is the redemptive purposes of God in that as well. Why? Because this is not all that there is, and I'm going to be able to remind somebody about that. With the same comfort that he's provided for you, you're able to pro- um, provide it to others. 
He said, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. This is why St. Patrick was ultimately able to say in the midst of sufferings, God, my God, omnipotent King, I humbly adore thee. Thou art King of kings, Lord of lords. Thou art the judge at every age. Can you, you didn't know that like St. Patrick had a little ha about him. Okay, walking around with it. Anyway, anyway, the point is, okay, he said, okay, you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, the point is, the point is, he says, thou art the judge of every age. Thou art the redeemer of souls. Thou art the liberator, liberator of those who believe. Thou art the hope of those who toil. Thou art the comforter of those in sorrow. Thou art the way of those who wander. Thou art master to the nations. Thou art the creator of all creatures. Thou art the lover of all good. Thou art the prince of all virtues. Thou art the joy of all thy saints. Thou art life perpetual. Thou art joy in truth. Thou art the exaltation in the eternal fatherland. Thou art the light of light. Thou art the fountain of holiness. Thou art the glory of God the Father in the height. Thou art Savior of the world. Thou art the plentitude of the Holy Spirit. Thou sitteth at the right hand of God the Father on the throne, reigning not just now, but forever. This is what he learned in the midst of and not despite suffering. Because my confidence is in his word. And when I, when I look down, I see him as he is unchanging, strong, eternal, loving, kind, in every way. So much so that as we pray, not only during this Lenten season, but Resurrection Sunday and thereafter, I would encourage us to pray a prayer inspired by a man familiar with this type of confidence, this type of comfort, this type of life, this type of suffering, but also life on the other side of the storm and what came from it. That nothing, no pain, no, no trial is wasted in God's economy. None. None. None of your pain is wasted in God's economy. Not one little bit. Not one trial. It's all got a redemptive purpose in him. And so as we pray, I'll finish this way. May we all pray with this in our hearts. This is inspired by St. Patrick's words. He said, as I arise today, may the strength of God pilot me, the power of God uphold me, the wisdom of God guide me, may the eye of God look before me, the ear of God hear me, the word of God speak for me, may the hand of God protect me, the way of God lie before me, the shield of God defend me, the host of God, save me. May Christ shield me today. Christ with me, Christ before me. Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me. Christ on my right, Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit. Christ when I stand, 
Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. Because in him we live and move and have our being. Our story, his glory, forever and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, worship team, come on up.